the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, August the 19th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on August 19, 1934, a plebiscite in Germany approved the vesting of sole executive power in Adolf Hitler. 38 million Germans voted for Hitler. Today in 1812, the USS Constitution defeated a British frigate off Nova Scotia during the War of 1812, earning the nickname of Old Ironsides. Today in 1848, the New York Herald reported the discovery of gold in California. Today in 1909, the first automobile races were run at the just-opened Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The, The winner the winner of the first event was this auto engineer, Louis Switzer. He drove a Stoddard Dayton touring car twice around the two-and-a-half-mile track at a blazing speed, 57.4 miles per hour. Today, I used to, no, we won't even go into it. Today in 20, uh, 2010, the last, Ameri- uh, last American uh, combatant, brig- uh, Brigade exited Iraq seven years, five months after the U.S.-led invasion began there. Five years ago today, the Obama administration defended its decision to make a $400 million cash delivery strapped to a pallet in an airplane, $400 million cash delivery to, to Iran, contingent on the release of American prisoners, saying the payment wasn't ransom because the Islamic Republic would soon have recouped the money some way, one way or the other. That's what he said. One year ago today, Kamala Harris accepted the Democratic nomination for the vice presidency in the speech to the party's virtual convention that cemented her as a place in history as the first black woman on a major party ticket, later to become vice president of the United States. In a speech on the third night of the convention, former President Barack Obama warned that his successor, Donald Trump, was both unfit for office and apathetic to the nation's founding principles. Think about that for a moment. That pretty much defines Joe Biden, President of the United States. Ten minutes ago, Rasmussen reports published their newest survey. Most voters believe it's likely that they found. Most voters believe it's likely that President Joe Biden won't finish out his term of office, and they don't think that Vice President Kamala Harris is ready to step up to replace him. Most, majority. They don't think Biden will finish the course, and they don't think she's capable. As I said, this was just published about 10 minutes ago. It found that 43%, only 43% of likely U.S. voters, this isn't just people in general, but likely voters. That means people who have voted in at least the last two 
general elections. Likely voters, 43%, think Harris is qualified to assume the duties of the presidency, including 29% of that 43 do think she's very qualified. That's down from April when 49% said Harris was qualified. Now 55% say Harris is not qualified to assume the duties of the presidency, including 47% who say she is not at all qualified. Interesting. You know the old saying, once you get to know people, you may like them when you get to know them, but sometimes the more you get to know someone, the less you like them. That seems to be what's happening with Kamala Harris. The more people get to know her and observe her and listen to what she has to say and that cackling laugh, the more they're deciding they don't know that she they want her to run the, the United States and be president. But everyone, pretty much, in all the polls I've seen, there's a majority of people in America who are pretty certain that President Biden will not finish his four years. That shows up if there's any pressure at all, he cracks. And it's a sad, really a sad commentary for the most part. But boy, it's concerning um, with America and with the world conditions where they are today. Should be concerning for all of us. But don't be overly concerned because God is in control. And I, I don't say that lightly. I say that from the very depths of my heart. The world has been through a lot of different situations over the last you know, millennia. But there is a God in heaven who created all things. And he is almighty God himself. And he is in control. And God has a timetable. The Bible lays that out very, very clearly. The time of the church and those of us who are doing what we do here on earth, there is a time of the coming of the Lord. And God is in control. And we must recognize that. But God has partnered with us. Paul said we are co-labors with the Lord. And that means that we're working together with God, the people of God on this earth. And so we have a responsibility. This isn't the fact that God is in control doesn't mean that we just say, great, whatever will be, will be. God has called us. He has chosen us. Jesus said that we are the salt, the light. We are called to be a part of God's plan and God's purposes, but not to be overcome with fear because we live in a world today, not only in Afghanistan, but around the world. There's concern. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but I will tell you that there is a positioning and a kind of a, um, I don't know, a shifting of positions in a number of countries today because of the inability of the President of the United States. Within hours of capturing Herat, the Taliban's jihadist, Herat, Afghanistan, the Taliban's jihadist fighters were put out patrolling the streets trying to convince residents of Afghanistan's third largest city. That was Friday, a week ago, uh, almost a week ago. They were telling residents there in the third largest city in the country, life is soon going to be returning to normal. They said, and I quote one of the messages that a person in their home shared, the man came to the door, the Taliban, 
said business will continue as normal. People are going to be happy. You are going to be happy with our services. You will be happier than you've ever been before. That's a quote. That's what the Taliban are telling people at the door. And they're basically saying, if you don't get happy, we will kill you. I mean, that that is the message. Hamid has serious doubts about those claims. He is a Christian. That's not his real name. But he was getting messages out last night to his contacts outside the country. He said, right now, this is last night, a Christian in Afghanistan. Right now, we fear elimination. He said the Taliban are going to eliminate the Christian population of Afghanistan, he believes. Not his real name, as I said, but Hamid is among thousands of Afghans who've come to faith in Jesus Christ over the past two decades. 20 years ago, we hear about this 20-year war, how it's you know been going on and on and it being debated whether it should have happened or whatever. And we've talked about that, and I'm sure we will again on this program. But over the last 20 years, Hamid is saying that 20 years ago, he's been there a long time. He's a Christian leader, as I said. That's not his real name. He said there weren't a lot of Christians 20 years ago during the Taliban time. But today, we are talking about 5,000 to 8,000 local Christians, meaning in Afghanistan. They live all over the country, he said. 20 years ago, there were between five and 800 Christians, at least identified, in Afghanistan. There were no Christians, essentially, in the country. Today, there's between five and 8,000. They're not sure the number, but they're connected. He says, we know a Christian believer who we've been working with in the northern part of the country. The leader has suddenly lost contact. There is no contact since the Taliban took over. Hamid is concerned. He is afraid they may have killed that leader. He said there are three other cities where we've lost contact with our Christian believers. Some of the believers are known in their communities, he says. People know that they have converted from Islam to Christianity and they are considered apostates. And the penalty under Sharia law for apostates is death. He said the Taliban are famous for carrying out that punishment. Taliban fighters are reportedly going door to door, forcing families to give up their daughters. And he confirmed this, their daughters, some as young as 12, to be sex slaves for the men, the fighting men in the Taliban. Hamid, this, which is not his name, but this Christian leader, he says, I have four sisters that are single they are at home. We are worried. But, he says, we know that everything is in God's hands. We will serve him, whatever the outcome. That's faith tested by fire. The New York Post is reporting that when President Obama released five Taliban commanders from Guantanamo Bay prison in exchange for an American deserter in 2014. He assured the public because we were concerned about it. I remember it well. I talked about it on this program. Assured a wary public that the 
dangerous enemy combatants would be transferred to Qatar, kept from causing any trouble in Afghanistan. I'm quoting Obama's words verbatim. In fact, they were left free to engineer the takeover of Afghanistan, including Kabul on Sunday. Yeah, the people that led the takeover of Kabul on Sunday were the people that Obama released from prison, from Gitmo. These so-called progressive policies never protect freedom. They never have, they never will. Israel is well aware of the fact and is expressing concern about America's inability to lead. They're coming out public with it. They're not criticizing Biden, but they're expressing deep concern over the lack of leadership in America today. They publicly were grateful to Donald Trump for his leadership. Let me talk to you a little bit about the genesis of the events that happened this last week. Soon after gaining their freedom from Gitmo, these notorious Taliban Five, as they were known, they pledged to return to fight Americans in Afghanistan. They were public about it. As soon as they got out of there, they started talking. The press reported. They said, we're, we're going to pay back America. They made contacts with active Taliban militants in Afghanistan. The Obama-Biden administration turned a blind eye to it. Blind eye to it. They, they were getting intelligence reports way back then, during the Obama administration. It wasn't long before... The freed detainees used Qatar as a base to form a regime in exile. Qatar isn't a friend of America. We have a big, huge base there, a military base in Qatar. But they're not a friend. They're an enemy. But they smile and they benefit. And they're rich in their own right, but they benefit from America. So it's a very tenuous kind of a relationship. A good president can handle it. A poor president or someone who can't lead can't. And that's where we are today. Eventually, this regime in exile was recognized by Western diplomats. They began to talk to them and kind of accept the fact that they were the Taliban, at least the leaders of the Taliban, the various groups of Taliban. In fact, some of their meetings were reported in newspapers over the last year or so as peace talks. (laughs) Well, earlier this year, one of them, his name is Harula Harkwai. I think that's the way you pronounce his name. I know it means in English. You know what that name means? His name means superhero, like Superman. That's what that name means. I think that's the way you pronounce it. But anyway, he... He actually sat across the table from President Biden's envoy to Afghanistan in Moscow, where Harkway was part of the official Taliban delegation that negotiated the final terms of the U.S. withdrawal. A guy from Gitmo that Obama released. The retreat, how it's been handled, that cleared a path for the Taliban to retake power after 20 years. You've seen the pictures of Taliban in Afghanistan sitting in the presidential palace, the group that was pictured once in control of the presidential palace in Kabul brought in these guys from Qatar who were in Gitmo, released by Obama. 
They've taken over as leaders. The mastermind of the regime change is none other than Harkawa. I mean, he's running it. We find ourselves now in a position where President Joe Biden is actually taking directives from this guy who was just a few years ago in Gitmo as one of the most uh, feared uh, terrorists that we had captured. That is, I mean, this isn't really being reported. I mean, some of it is. The New York Post is, but most are not. They're, they're running from this. That isn't the message they want out there. It isn't their narrative. So it will never be news. But it's so ironic and it's so revealing. A couple of months ago, Herkwa, he um, assured the Biden administration that the Taliban would not launch a spring military offensive But, he said, Biden had to commit to removing all remaining American troops. And that's why Biden has been in such a hurry. He came out and he goes, boom, we're going to be all out. We're out of there by August. Because he'd been given a directive by this guy whom Obama released from Guantanamo to be out of there or else. And Biden struts around and he talks about it. We're going to be forceful if these people don't do what we say. That's a lie. He hasn't been forceful, and they know it. They're telling him what to do right now. He would never admit that, of course. The military is so preoccupied with all of their political correctness and all of this stuff. I'm not talking about the men and women who serve. I'm talking about some of the leadership, this Millie guy. Donald Trump came out yesterday and said, I blew it when I, when I hired him. That's the thing about Trump. I mean, Trump is crude and crass and rough on the edges and... But when he makes a mistake, he just said, yeah, I blew it. He said, I should have never hired him. That was a mistake. (laughs) He's right. It was. But who among us hasn't made a mistake? It's a matter of whether we admit it and whether we learn from it and move on. These people just continue. The left, the progressives, they continued in the quagmire of their failed ideology. It's humanistic in in the bare bones of it. There is no God. There is no redemption. You just continue in guilt, trying to make up for your past sins and all of this stuff. Black Lives Matter, it's all interconnected by an almost demonic kind of ideology. Why would our elected officials take this guy's word on anything? Well, he did. So Biden hustled these people out of the country. And that's part of the chaos that's going on there, the Lack of planning is basically, I mean, that's the real reason. I'll bet this guy is more embittered today than he was when he was behind the cyclone fence in Gitmo. A former Guantanamo Bay prisoner is now telling the President of the United States what to do and when to do it. But going back to that just for a moment and looking, just to give us perspective, going back to that and looking at who was released of our people (laughs) and what happened as a result of Obama releasing these terrorists. There was not a single one of our military that approved Obama releasing. He had the power to do so because he was an elected president. 
But not one of our military people who are in charge of such things told him they approved of what he was doing. Every one of them said they did not think it was a wise decision to take to release these five terrorists out of Guantanamo that are now calling the shots. Guess who was released by, by Afghanistan, by the Taliban? Remember U.S. Army Sergeant Robert Bo Bergdahl? He supposedly had been captured by the enemy. His fellow soldiers were out looking for him, trying to save his life. Several of them were shot and wounded during that process. In the in good faith, they were trying to help their brother and do what's right, because those kids that are serving always do that. That's why they're serving America. It isn't the people. It isn't the personnel in our armed forces. It's the leadership, and it is becoming pathetically I don't want to say incapable, but nearly incapable of leading. They're so immersed in all of this critical race theory and all of this stuff. They've got their head in the sand. And these people wearing bathrobes running around the hills of Afghanistan looking like they're 5,000 years old, they know it. And they're taking advantage of it. And now one of them is telling Joe Biden what to do and when to do it. That's concerning. These people were supposed to be what they call forever prisoners at Gitmo. <laughs> they were released. Following Bergdahl's release in response to Obama doing what he did, President Obama held this bizarre uh, Rose Garden ceremony with his parents. He was celebrating Bergdahl as a her- heroic POW. And the Pentagon had never, ever designated him as a POW because they kind of knew, I think, that he really wasn't a POW who was probably consulting with the enemy. And in fact, it turned out he was. So Obama brings in his parents. Remember that? And his dad was kind of a strange guy, this Bergdahl's dad. And he brought him into the Rose Garden, and Obama took the lectern. In fact, I wrote an article on this today, and you can go to faithandfreedom.us and see the picture. His mom and dad are standing there, and President Obama is, is you know, doing what he did and talking and talking about what a hero this Bergdahl was. Uh, nobody could figure out why he was doing that, because everybody knew, especially in the administration, they knew he wasn't a hero. He was a deserter. And finally, after several years of trials and hearings and so on, he he admitted. And he kind of, you know, pled his case and he got a reduced sentence or whatever. But, I mean, he admitted that he had been with them. And people on the ground in Afghanistan, soldiers, leaders, said that they noticed that the Taliban became much more focused and much more, um, much more capable of targeting them and their positions and so on during the time that Bergdahl was supposedly a prisoner. And yet Obama celebrated the guy. And while Obama was promising to get out of Afghanistan, and I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that was right or wrong. I mean, I have my views on that. But while he was saying that, the father of Bergdahl is standing there and he out loud like in a 
evangelical prayer meeting, he says, praise be to Allah, right out loud. You can hear it on a tape. That's how screwed up we've become in America as we've turned from our founding principles and begin to follow humanistic, devilish kinds of so-called progressivism. Last year, the U.S. military top appeals court upheld that conviction against him as he, his lawyers asked for him to be released. Several people on the ground said it became very difficult during the time he was gone, but we never dreamed it was Bergdahl who was giving the Taliban the information. I don't personally believe that any of our sons or daughters who have fought in that war or any other war fought in vain in Afghanistan or elsewhere. They fought in good faith because they loved our country. But some of our leaders give us more than a little pause as to what actually is motivating them. The man who went around the world apologizing for America and bowing down, bowing down physically before these Middle Eastern mullahs and whatever, Barack Obama, pulled this one on this country. This won't become a big deal in the press, but I thought you should know about it. Israel knows about it. The Jerusalem Post said yesterday the victors of Kabul or Kabul will be those who benefit from the Taliban taking power. They said among the winners, Jerusalem Post yesterday, among the winners, they said, is Qatar, Russia, China, Pakistan, Turkey, and Iran. Most of these countries, the Jerusalem Post says, hosted the Taliban or tacitly backed them. Not surprising. Iran is declining to receive refugees from Afghanistan yesterday while they're solidifying their position with the Taliban. They don't want to help the people of Afghanistan, but they're all in in helping the Taliban. That's a little bit of what's going on in our country. It is overwhelming. It can be. The Jerusalem Post concluded, for now, the Afghanistan debacle is a major setback for the U.S. globally in terms of image, perception, that U.S.-backed systems tend to be as weak and temporary as the grass that greens with the spring and withers in the fall. Interesting words coming from Jerusalem, isn't it? What the Jerusalem Post is saying is that this round has been won by those forces in the world for whom freedom is not a value. President Reagan once said, and I quote Reagan, while America's military strength is important, I've always maintained that the struggle now going on in the world will never be decided by bombs or rockets, by armies or military might. The real crisis we face today is a spiritual one. President Ronald Reagan, a spiritual one. At root, it is a test of moral will and faith. Our enemies, he said, must be made to understand we will never abandon our belief in God. I wish that were true for all of us, but for those of us who have not abandoned our faith and belief in God, we need to pray. We need to pray for America. We need to stand strong. This is not a time to to grow weary in well-doing. This is a time to get involved. This is a time to trust God. This is a time to stand strong. Believe that God is in control of all things. He is. We'll keep talking about what's going on in our world and all of all of the current events. And that's why we do this live every morning. We originate live to talk about the events of this day, whatever it may be. But I want you to know that God is in control. And he will be in control. 
And he's called us to walk with him because we are his people if we've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Thank you for your support. We need it. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.